Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, Hokies. I'm Tech Sideline founder Will Stewart. Welcome into episode 243 of the Tech Sideline podcast. We've got lots of good stuff coming up today, and I think we'll be here a while. We'll start with football recruiting, six commits in seven days. Then we'll cover last week's announcement of the ACC football scheduling model. And lastly, we will wear out the topic of the day, which is conference realignment. It's all coming up next on the Tech Sideline Podcast. All right, welcome back in. Everything old is new again. Virginia Tech has 15 commitments in football, and half of them are from the state of Virginia. Not exactly half. That sounds painful, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Just like Frank Beamer's early days, the ACC has released a new football scheduling model, and Hokie fans are once again asking themselves what in the heck the ACC office was thinking, just like every scheduling model in the past. And Hokie fans find themselves filled with angst over conference landscape shifts, just like many times in the fast past, Virginia Tech fans have phoblo, fear of being left out. <laughs> we'll talk about all of that. So let's introduce the crew. Across the way, we've got the man who just celebrated his one-year anniversary with us, managing editor David Cunningham. We so welcome, David. Gift. Yeah. <laughs> also, it's funny you bring that up. The one-year anniversary gift is paper. So that's exciting. David, I bought you a ream of paper from Walmart and I put a bow on it. So remember to get that before you leave the office today. In the red shirt chair, we got the, did I mention David's the managing editor? I think I left your title out. There you go. All right. In the red shirt chair, we got the man who despises conference realignment discussions, but we're (laughs) going to make him talk about it anyway. Lead analyst and columnist, Chris Coleman. Yes, they did text each other and ask, what color are you wearing today? And they no, agreed we did they were not. We did no such thing. Uh, <laughs> there you go, Nick. Thank you. <laughs> At least we're wearing Virginia Tech colors. Uh, yeah. Uh, hey, <laughs> you know, I, I have to go through my wardrobe. So behind the scenes, producing all by himself for the first time ever, sports media and analytics student uh, 2024. Is that right? Nick Brown. All right. Congratulations, Nick. Flying solo. So Malcolm is in the area in case anything goes horribly awry, but uh, Nick's flying by himself. So that is exciting. I'm going to laminate my show notes and give them to you afterwards as a, as a keepsake. So, <laughs> so before we get into the show, we want you to remember to like, if you're, if you're watching on YouTube, like and subscribe. Uh, we're slowly approaching 6,000 YouTube subscribers, so help us get there and click the notification bell so you'll be notified when we post a video or when we go live. So the TSL podcast is sponsored by Commonwealth NIL, leaders in navigating name, image, and likeness. CNIL, as we call them, has already inked Justin Mutz, Hunter Couture, Darius Maddox, and Sean Padula to contracts. And just yesterday, they announced that big Pat Wessler signed on with them as well. So I was thinking about that. 
seven feet tall. I saw you, you your tweet. You, we're going to have to redesign. We, we, we got to get him in here on the podcast. And I'm thinking he's going to look like Will Ferrell in Elf sitting on the tiny <laughs> toilet when he comes in and sits on our chairs. So we have to get him in there just, just for that reason alone. So visit CommonwealthNIL.com to learn more about their membership programs and merchandise sales, which are ways that you can support Virginia Tech's NIL efforts. All right, gentlemen, so let's begin, and this is right in Chris's wheelhouse, and I'm sure, you know, David retains everything he hears, so he'll be good at this too. Let's begin by talking about football recruiting. So Tech had a, Tech had a really good uh, week. June 28th, linebacker Tavarian Copeland, state of Virginia. June 29th, linebacker Asen Stevens from out of Indiana. June 30th, Linebacker Caleb Woodson, I am sensing a trend here <laughs> from the state of Virginia. July 1st, defensive back Braylon Johnson out of the state of Virginia, Lauren Johnson's son. Yep. July 2nd, athlete slash running back Traylon Mitchell out of North Carolina. Then they took a day off, and then on July 4th, they got athlete slash safety Thomas Williams out of South Carolina. So, uh that brings Virginia Tech to 15 commitments for the for the year. Seven of them are from the state of Virginia. So, Chris, give me your, your thoughts on this flurry. Well, they were slacking on Sunday. That's the one day they didn't get any commitments. <laughs> but I'm thankful because that was the one day I got to take completely off. <laughs> yes. So, uh, But, yeah, obviously linebacker is a, is a big, big deal in this class, of course. Yeah. Uh, and they got two of their top uh, – three of their top targets uh, this past week. Uh you know, very each of them very different prospects. Tavorian Copeland is he's really long and lengthy, but he reminds me a lot of of Kelly Lawson, who is currently in the program as a Sam linebacker. And you know, it's going to take him a couple years, two or three years of strength and conditioning, and nutrition, things like that, before he's he's big enough. And he knows that with his uh, the interview he did on TSL with with Jason Stame last week, uh, he said that that, that that's got to be his primary focus. So he's listed at six four one ninety three out of out of Appomattox six four one ninety three. That that he does need to hit the weight room. But like he, you yeah, said, yeah, exactly. Uh, Ace and Stevens from Indiana, I think, is a guy who quite possibly will end up as a four-star recruit. Yeah. He missed most of his junior year with a torn ACL, which is why his offer list, while good, very good actually, was not quite as good as I don't think it matches up with it, with his sophomore film. I think once his uh, senior film is out there and he shows he's over his ACL, then uh, I think he's, he's his ranking. He's the up. guy with the Iowa State offer that you really, uh, really yeah. love. Yeah, anybody who offered by Matt Campbell – and heavily pursued by Matt Campbell is good enough for me. That yeah. guy's the best developer of three-star talent in the country, bar yeah. none, without question. Which is kind of the situation Virginia Tech is in these days. Absolutely. Yeah, they they yeah. need to be a developmental program. Um, Caleb Woodson, uh, he's a guy right now, you know, I do half stars because I think, you know, the number 35 recruit in the country will be a four-star recruit, and the number 350 recruit in the country will be – a four-star recruit. In reality, the 35th player in the country is closer to five-star status, and the number 350 player in the country is closer to three-star status. But people look at them and see four stars, and without going into any depth of research, they're like, oh, that's yeah, both four stars, right? Same player. So now I, I do a half-star system, and I also base it on a fit for Virginia Tech's system. And I, I've got Woodson right now probably as a 3.5-star 
I haven't finalized my list or anything like that, and I haven't thought about every single player, but I think he's a guy who's a fantastic, fantastic fit in tech scheme, probably as a Sam linebacker. That that's that's where he's been targeted. He's got a really nice frame, and you see him in a picture next to Chris Marv, and Chris Marv starting linebacker in the SEC, and Caleb Woodson is just dwarfing him. Listed so, at six two two hundred. Um, uh, you depend, think he looks bigger? He, he depended. He's listed anywhere from six two two hundred to six three two oh five. He looks closer to the six three range yeah. to me. And honestly, he looks bigger than two oh five already. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who can certainly play around two thirty yeah. at Virginia Tech and could be two twenty by the time he gets here next year. So I think he's an excellent pickup. Maybe the most versatile defender in the state of Virginia. He lines up at corner. He lines up at safety. He lines up in the slot. He lines up on the edge. I mean, just just a really good player. Um, Braylon Johnson, I, I have similar thoughts about. I don't think Braylon Johnson is going to show up and wow anybody like in a combine setting, but he's an excellent football player um, with, with, with a good offer list. I think some schools like, like, like Penn State and Oklahoma who offered him, I don't think they pursued him all that hard because I think there was always the, the, the whole factor of, well, He's probably going to go to Virginia Tech, so hmm. it would because his father, right? It wouldn't it wouldn't be a great way use of our resources to 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 recruit him. Uh, Shane, so, so so to be clear, he's out of Highland Springs. Highland he Springs. is Lauren Johnson's, Lauren Johnson's son. son. We like players uh, from Highland Springs. Yeah, well, very much. So L- listed at six hundred one sixty seven. So that kind of gets back to what you were saying about yeah. But if you if you look at his recruiting picture on Tech sideline. With his arms, how long they are. I yeah. mean, it's like his arm. He's got like Jimmy Williams' arms. It's funny. You showed me that picture, and I thought Jimmy Williams. Yeah, ex- ex- yeah. exactly. Um, I, he could play safe, like wide safety or corner. Right now, I think he'll, he'll he plays corner for Highland Springs. Yeah. I, I would project him as a corner right now, but he's a versatile guy. Uh, and again, you know, I, Shane Beamer uh, gave it a shot because Shane obviously has Shane played at Virginia Tech with his dad. But other than that, like nobody else gave it like a real shot because I think everybody assumed he was going to tech. But again, to me, he's like a 3.5 to four star guy. You know, right now I maybe have him as 3.5, but, uh, you know, if he gets up to, you know, the 175, 180 range by the time signing day gets here, I I could certainly uh, give him a bump. Um, Trail on Mitchell out of North Carolina, interesting prospect. The North Carolina schools recruited him as a defensive back. Virginia Tech is recruiting him as a running back who could play defensive back. Uh, he rushed for a little over 1,000 yards last year, over t- uh, 10 yards per carry. Plays in a three-back wing tee, wishbone, uh-huh. double wing type, type offense. So he's kind of a difficult guy to evaluate because nobody runs that uh, at the college level. Uh, but he's got very good speed. Very good speed. I think, and I think he won a state championship in track in North Carolina. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. And you mentioned uh, it was Darren Evans, right? Yeah, Darren Evans was, who, who was played kind of a similar, similar system, similar recruiting story. Uh, Darren Evans, I believe, played in a wing T in Indiana, and had insane number of touchdowns a uh, senior in high uh, school, like sixty or some something ridiculous like number that. Like yeah, that. And played that fullback position, which yeah. is obviously up close that's the dive to, position yeah the dive position yeah. exactly or the there was a position that in my wing tee in high school we called the 40 trap all the time yeah whenever the fullback was getting the ball it was the 40 trap and uh 
which we ran that play quite often because we couldn't do anything. <laughs> but <if> anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, Darren Evans was like from Big Ten country. He was the perfect Big Ten running back. Yeah. But none of those Big Ten schools offered him, I assume, because they felt like they couldn't get a great evaluation on him because of the system. Yeah. He did did he eventually get drafted? He did not get drafted. He got signed by the Colts as an undrafted team. free agent. Yeah, he yeah. played in a couple games for the Colts on special teams. For like one year, but no, he was not a. And he's one of those guys, you know. If 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 you could have running backs from the past, he's a guy you'd take. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. I'm not saying he's above Lee Suggs and stuff like that, but he's he was darn good. Yeah, yeah, he had a great yeah. career. Um, yeah, uh, Thomas Williams. This is very much a Brent Pry recruit. Brent Pry had offered him at Penn State. Yeah. So like his Penn State offer that he's listed with, as far as I know, was not still committable because Brent Pry wasn't there anymore. He was a guy that Brent Pry personally evaluated right. and wanted. Um, and I think uh, he also had an offer from uh, West Virginia. Great high school running back, uh, but will probably play safety at Virginia Tech. Number nine player in uh, the state of uh, South Carolina. So that's my that's my quick, re- not so quick, quick recap all, of all those six, six guys. Yeah, but, but detailed. And I think my biggest takeaway is what what you kind of mentioned earlier: seven in-state kids, eight out-of-state kids, and is, each one is, is it from seven. A, Seven in state. Seven in state. There's 15 okay. totals. Now, you weren't you weren't wrong when you said half. Half. We're gonna count seven uh, and a half. Lath Ganim uh, as oh, half. Half. Okay. He plays high school football in West Virginia but he's right from now. Virginia, but he's from right? Southwest Virginia. Yeah. So it's not painful at all. Right. He really is exactly. Half there you go. Yeah, half an in state. Okay. Recruit. But but <laughs> if you count him as as West Virginia for for this purpose, you got seven in state guys and then eight out of state guys, and each one's from a different state. And that exactly. kind of yeah, That's interesting. that kind of shows. You know, we we talked about it when Brent Pry first assembled this staff. You've got guys who can recruit in Maryland and Florida and South Carolina and all over the place. And Virginia Tech is is showing that you know that that big radius Brent Pry talked about Virginia Tech's getting guys the guys that they want throughout that entire radius and it's not just you know a couple states here or there yeah they got out-of-state commitments from guys and uh, well, let, let me let me read the list to you so seven from the Commonwealth of Virginia yes I know it's a Commonwealth and like as David said no other state has more than one so let's see if I can go north to south more or less Indiana Pennsylvania Maryland Tennessee, I left out West Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. Mm-hmm. With the exception of, of Acer, those those eight states are contiguous in that mid-Atlantic region. You'll notice there is no Florida list there. Yeah, so. yeah and uh, that's sort of what you would expect from, from this staff. Yeah. Uh, now, I, I wrote articles after the staff was put together saying, I thought Virginia Tech was, would have a presence in Ohio and Indiana. Right, that's more, true. More, more and so in Ohio than Indiana. But, you know, I, and I, I never grasped this until I guess it was about six years ago. I drove from Blacksburg to Green Bay to go to a Packers game. So I drove through West Virginia and Ohio and Indiana and Illinois and all the way up into, uh, into Wisconsin uh, you know, through the Rust Belt, I guess is what they call it. And I'm telling you, like, if you can get a kid from Ohio or Indiana to visit Blacksburg, uh, Appalachia will, will they'll feel comfortable here. Yeah. Um, it, 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 you know, there's not any mountains once you get through Ohio, but, but on the whole, it's a similar vibe. Um, you know, it's, it's actually, honestly a lot more, the, this area, is a lot more similar to that area of the country than it is the eastern part of Virginia. Yeah. Um, or imagine true. trying to convince a kid from 
from Jacksonville, Florida to come to come to Blacksburg. It obviously happened in the past, mm-hmm. but it's a little more difficult, I would think, in terms of that specific, the setting that they're in, because yeah. Jacksonville is not exactly middle of nowhere, Ohio. Right. That, you know, and that, that's very much a, uh, you know, a blue collar part of the country. Yeah. Is. And so I think those guys are good fits for uh, Brent Pry program. Ultimately, this program, and I will, we'll get into a conference expansion and everything like that later, but uh, I, I think Virginia Tech at its peak was more Big Ten than SEC. Yeah, with, with our with with how we how the Hokies recruited the uh, just the whole lunch pail mentality. Is that, it's, yeah. That's it, a lot more Rust Belt. Virginia Tech fits it, more of the guys in Pennsylvania and Ohio and Indiana and Tennessee and Kentucky than it does the guys in. Georgia and South Carolina. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, and you know, SEC is just SEC's flash, of course, yeah. and Virginia Tech's oh, yeah. not flash. Uh, yeah. the, uh, the Big Ten, yes, they've got you know Ohio State. I would think of but, it but similar to Wisconsin. That, right, 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 ex- exactly. Um, so you know, I, I mean, I'm not sitting here saying that Ohio and Indiana are going to be big, big parts of the recruiting strategy, but Virginia Tech will spot recruit those states, and uh, yeah. I think they can get good players there, good players who were fits for the program. So here's the breakdown. Four offensive linemen, two wide receivers, no tight ends, one running back. Would you say one running back? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, Mitchell. You, right. So, yeah. you're, and to be clear, when you say two wide receivers, they're the, you know, I'm, we're talking about uh, Take Heath and um, Marcel Baylor. Marcel Baylor. Right. I'm projecting them as wide receivers right now. They're listed as athletes yeah. on the recruiting sites. But when I went through the commitment list yesterday, there we had like five or six guys listed as an athlete. So <laughs> they were thinking anybody who who logs on to our recruiting commits can be like, okay, athletes, what position are they actually going to play? So yeah. I tried to I changed them around yesterday to try to get an accurate representation of where I think they're going to play. Yeah. So uh, one quarterback, um, Dylan 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 is first name. Yeah, yeah. Ricky. Uh, no defensive tackles. Uh, one defensive end, uh, three linebackers, two corners, and a safety. So that that's a that's a nice distribution. You're missing DTs and tight ends. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm I've got I'm gonna do some research and for uh, later this week I'll have an article out about where Virginia Tech stands in recruiting right now. So with 15 commits, what do they need to target between now and signing day? Right. And defensive tackle is the the position. The number one. Like, yeah. I think in terms of tight ends, though, it's important to mention Virginia Tech just got three or four tight end commits this year, like signees this okay. year. Right, right. You know, Harris, Harrison St. Germain, bunch, bunch of those. Uh, yeah, Benji Gosnell. And the kid from uh, Georgia, who I like more than any of them, and I've already forgotten his name, even um, though I like it more than <laughs> any of them. Uh, yeah. uh, Daquan Wright. Yeah, that's oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, there's a there's a handful of, you know, they just got three tight end yeah. signees. It's not a so big it's not priority, priority. Defensive tackle, however, that's a different yes. story. Yeah, you know, uh, Virginia Tech lost one to uh, a guy from Florida State, or a guy to Florida State from the state of Maryland. and. I yeah, think, that, I yeah. remember we wanted that one. Yeah, and he looks like a Florida State football player, yep. you know. Uh, but he he was originally a 2022 recruit, and then he reclassified to 2023. And I thought Virginia Tech had a great shot at him. Then all of a sudden, he commits to Florida State and then shows up and enrolls. Yeah. So it's like they got him into school for this class, and I don't know that anybody else could have. That might have been the reason. Wanted, yeah. Elijah Hughes, who I think is – 
an awesome football player, one of the best players in the state of Virginia from Northern Virginia. I think Virginia Tech was going to get Elijah Hughes, but his dream school was Stanford, and he's got a bunch of family in that part of California, and they go out there every year for vacation. Wow. He's so focused on academics, I think he's going to pick Stanford. He's yeah. from Northern Virginia. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes you're going to lose one like that to Stanford, or at least historically Virginia Tech has. Yeah. Uh, remember the running back from Northern Virginia who everybody wanted? Well, that was went, Dear Brandon, right? Brandon uh, Royster? I, yeah. I think, I think it was Brandon I, Royster I wound up going yeah, to, uh, yeah, to Stanford. He was yeah. a four-star guy that everybody wanted. And uh, Dear Brandon is an old uh, – has nothing to do with Joe Biden. It, ha- it is an old uh, message board legend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, that's un, it's unfortunate that Hughes is a defensive tackle. Like if he was like a defensive back or something, no big deal because we got plenty of those, right? But this is an in-state position of need, and I really, really worry that he's probably going to go to Stanford because he grew up more focused on academics than football. Good for him. I'm not criticizing him, as yeah. he should. But Stanford's his dream school. So we'll see. Uh, but so, yeah, defensive tackle is a big position of need. And they, they've got and they've missed all their top targets there. Wow. So they're going to have to unless they get unless they do get end up getting Hughes. Um, so they're going to have to reset their board. They're going to mm. have to uh, find some find some new guys and work the portal. But everybody loves to work the portal for defensive tackles. Um, yeah. All right. So uh, to sum it up, 24 seven has Virginia Tech's class number 29th in the country currently. Number 32 in their composite. Uh, number nine in the ACC with zero four stars. On three, has Virginia Tech is the number 38 consensus team in the country in their consistency ranking. Number nine in the ACC with one four star, and that's Lath Ganim. So yep. that's kind of the well, picture of Virginia Tech recruiting. Let, let, let me give – don't worry about the rank, the star rankings and things like that it's right now because they're incomplete. Some sites update their rankings for certain recruits at different times. Yeah. So, like, for example, the Antonio Cotman kid who committed to Boston College on Saturday uh, did not have a Virginia Tech offer, by the way, even right. though he's listed with one. Uh, did not have a Penn State offer, even though he's listed with one. That's why he's going to Boston College, yeah. right? At any rate, the, the early, early evaluations of him was that he was a top five, top ten player in the state of Virginia. So he's got this – and so he's still ranked fourth in the state by rivals who haven't updated their rankings. But 247 has dropped him to 14th. On three has dropped him to 27th in the state of Virginia. And, and he right? let it slip in an interview that, that basically – Everybody other, quit calling him except for except Boston Except for College. Boston College. Right, right, right. right. He kind so, of, yeah. So, yes. Yeah, so he's fallen down all the coach, all the boards of all the coaching staffs. Uh, yeah. But yet, you know, he still has the, the reputation – of four-star defensive back Antonio Cotman because that was his original ranking. Yeah. So it's kind of like Alec Bryant and Naquan Brown. Back when uh, – oh, what was the LSU coach's name? Who won a national title but was actually a horrible coach and just got – Orgeron. Right, so that guy, no idea how to run a football program. Right, so they're offering like they—they're not even that good at evaluating players, at least not early in the process, because they offered and took commitments from Naquan Brown, who now plays for Norfolk State, right, and and Alec Bryant, who eventually committed to Tech and now was like at Illinois or or I don't know, Illinois. Uh, so these guys were originally four-star recruits because they committed to LSU, right? Right, that helps. So. After LSU reevaluated and realized that they didn't want them anymore, 
They decommitted. They decommitted. Right, yes. right. Naquan <laughs> Brown ends up at Pitt. Last one semester is now at Norfolk State. Uh, those guys ended up as three-star prospects. But even at the end, people were still referring to them as four-star recruits because that was their original ranking. Yeah. Like, honestly, like, right, uh, these rankings come out came out months ago, right? And it's way too early. Like, to, in my opinion, we're just getting through the evaluation period right now. The very first set of rankings should be coming out right now. Yeah, and you're seeing some commitments, and you're seeing legit committable offers. Uh, recruits have taken official visits, right, and right. that's also an indicator that that's a, a, a recruit that a school really right, wants. Right, right. Yeah. So I, honestly, to me, I don't. You should not pay any attention unless it's the really the, the absolute top ranked guys that yeah. that you pretty much can't miss for in your evaluation on. I don't think you you don't don't be sitting here looking in January through May saying. Oh my gosh, this guy, we got to have him. He's four star. Everybody yeah. wants Antonio Cotman, right? Well, no, that's not true. And you're going to see by the end, the rankings reflect that. Um, but the problem is the perception is already there because people pay attention to recruiting rankings way too early. I mean, these, these guys are still growing physically yeah. Yeah. or not growing. Yeah. Um, all right. So first of all, Chris, scoot your chair out from the wall just a little bit. Oh, <laughs> just a scooch, man. There you go. All right. Thank you. Now I feel less nervous. Uh, so we're going to wrap it up. David, anything you want to add? To more Chris nervous. I, I think it's, um, you know, June is such a big official visit month for, for recruits. That's kind of the first time Brent Pry and, and the staff really got this group of recruits targets that they wanted on campus. Yeah. And you see how many guys committed after that. Yeah. Six guys in, in seven days right after, you know, right the, after the official visit visits. period yeah. started. Is that going to happen every single year? Yeah, I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> Everybody hopes so. But, but I think that kind of goes to show you that Brent Pry's message is being accepted the, the message, the way that Brent Pry wants this football program to be perceived, like recruits are like, oh my God, I like this. Like I want to yeah. commit to him. And, it, and it's, you know, this is a program that struggled towards the end of the previous tenure with recruiting and didn't have a wide spread of, you know, I'm going to get a guy from West Virginia and then a guy from Tennessee and a guy from South Carolina. It was, you know, it wasn't as consistent as that and i think you're you're seeing the potential of of this program where it can recruit um but also that what brett pry the message he's trying to push out to recruits is being accepted and they want to come to virginia tech and i you know they might not necessarily be the top guys but you got to start somewhere if, if virginia tech's going to get those guys in the future these are the guys it has to start with yeah so i like that it's a process of you know you got to get guys in here you got to develop them you got to start winning games you got to start getting visits from yeah you know guys that uh, they covet more and more um so let's move on to the acc scheduling model and i want to play a game with you guys first of all the ACC has gone to a 3-5-5 model, which means that you are going to play. There's a group of teams, three teams that you're going to play every year. And then you are going to rotate through the other 10, five one year, five the next year. You know, you're going to play them two times in a four-year span. So you'll see Tech play in NC State more often, Clemson more often, Florida State more often. Virginia Tech's, uh, what are they called, primary opponents are Pitt, UVA and Wake. 
and here's the game I want to play. You'll notice there's a team missing from from that that trio, which you would expect to be two, there. as and, far as I'm concerned. Uh, and and we'll ask you that in a minute. Uh, Miami's the obvious one that's missing that Virginia Tech's played every year since I think 1992. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to play a game with you. I'm going to go down the ACC schools in alphabetical order, and I want you to give me two schools, two teams that the school ought to play. So in other words, let's start with Boston College. What two teams should Boston College play every year? Uh, Syracuse, Syracuse and, Pitt. and Pitt. Well, guess who's on their list? Really? Syracuse and Pitt. Yeah. Cool. And the third team is Miami. Yeah. And that's all about ESPN wanting to play the Flutie highlight over and over now that it's Almost 50 years Somewhere old. Somewhere Donna Shalala is smiling. <laughs> smiling. Yeah. Who should Clemson – what two schools should Clemson play every year? Florida State and Georgia Tech. I would say Florida State and NC State. Well, Georgia Tech is their, their natural – that's like yeah. Virginia Tech versus West Virginia. That That's actually – they play – it's it's listed if you it's look up – got a name. If you look up college football yeah, rivalries yeah. Oh, on no, Wikipedia. I know it's a rivalry. Yeah. I, I, I would – because I think they got all three of them, didn't they? They got all three of them. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I, I made the mistake one time of saying, I believe it was on Twitter, you know, who cares about Clemson playing Georgia Tech? And I got an earful from, <laughs> from Clemson fans and Georgia Tech yeah. fans. This is important. Cle- Cle- I think, like, you, you know, you've seen in recent years, and if, when the NC State's good, like NC State-Clemson's a really good game. Yeah. For, you know, we all know about Florida State and then, you know, Georgia, so, so, Georgia Tech. So Clemson got Florida State, Georgia Tech, and NC State. Great. Now, let's move on to Duke. What two teams should Duke play every year? Nobody cares, but go ahead and tell me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wake Forest and North Carolina. And North and Carolina. I would say North Carolina and NC State. Duke got North Carolina, NC State, and, and Wake, Wake Forest. Forest. They got all three state all schools. Right. Who? What two teams should Florida State play every year? Miami and Clemson. Clemson and Miami. Clemson and Miami. They got Clemson and Miami and Syracuse. Congratulations. <laughs> I, read, I read some message words, Scuttle, but apparently they wanted Syracuse. They want to go up there every other year. I mean, I guess if you're, you know, if you're trying to recruit I mean, up there. I mean, I mean I Florida know. State's not any good at football these days. they got to get wins somehow. So, listen, we're, we're four for four so far, Yeah. right? So, Georgia Tech is next. What two schools should Georgia Tech play every year? Clemson, Clemson and <laughs> – oh, gosh. So, I, I think – State? I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I think I read somewhere that Florida State is like the closest school to Florida State is Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. But the, I think that's right. But but Florida State and Georgia Tech don't, like don't want to play each other. Hmm. So really so weird. Georgia it, Tech it, gets Clemson and and apparently it, Wake Forest. Oh, I could see that's that. That's a yeah. random. I mean, Georgia Tech doesn't really have any other rivals. Georgia's in that's the like SEC. That's like a throwback yes. to like that 2008 uh, ACC championship game. <laughs> so Georgia Tech's got Clemson, Wake Forest, and Louisville. Okay. Okay. That's, that, that's yeah. you're, you're gonna, some seems like they don't have two natural yeah. right. rivals. And you just got And, and here's another teams. one that doesn't have two natural rivals. Louisville's next on the list. Uh, and Louisville got Virginia, Miami, and Georgia Tech. Well, we were supposed to guess. Basically, Louisville got. Well, uh, Louisville's like here's three random teams exactly, yeah. and and they wound up getting the three teams Virginia Tech should have gotten, but we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> uh, what two teams should Miami play every year? Florida State and Virginia Tech. Exactly, they got Florida yeah. State. They didn't get Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. but they, they got, got who? They got Louisville. They got Louisville, and they got uh, Boston College again. That's so they, they can show the Flutie Pass every year. Uh, this is easy. What? Uh, Two teams should North Carolina play every year. Virginia. Virginia. Mm-hmm. And 
Honestly, Virginia and NC State. Virginia and NC State. If you're, State. If you're yeah. from a North Carolina they gave, perspective. They gave them Virginia. They got both of and them. They and they got Duke. Yeah, All right. Now we're to NC State, and, and you're going to start connecting the dots here. NC State should play. Who should NC State? What two teams should they play? Clemson, every? North Carolina, and Clemson, probably. They got North Carolina, Clemson, and Duke. All right. <laughs> now we're at Pitt. I think they, well, they should play Wake Forest, too. I think that was the other one. I don't know if you saw. Wake. That was the other one. You know, Wake, N- Wake NC State's gone a long time as well. And that was kind of the other big one, I think, outside of Virginia Tech, Miami, is yeah. is that one that wasn't continued. But So continuing the Big East theme, what two teams should Pitt play every year? Syracuse. West Virginia and, and <laughs> Penn State. <laughs> yeah. West Virginia and Penn State, yeah. <laughs> um, Within the ACC. Oh, gosh. I mean, I would say Syracuse would say, and probably Tech. Syracuse and David? Um, I don't think I think Syracuse Virginia or sorry Pitt Virginia Tech is here's I, the thing. I think that's a good matchup. I think from Pitt perspective they should play Virginia Tech but from, from Virginia, Virginia Tech, Tech perspective I don't think we should play yeah, Pitt Boston, which shows you it's impossible Boston, to get Boston this right. College or you can convince me Boston College is so the Pitt other one. got Boston College Syracuse and Virginia Tech there you go <laughs> uh, you know again continuing the Big East theme hint hint what two teams should Syracuse play every year Pitt Boston College Pitt, Boston College and of course we already know Florida they got State. Florida State yeah. so they got Pitt Boston College and Florida State. What two teams should UVA play every year? This, this North is Carolina and Virginia. North Tech. Carolina and Virginia Tech. They got both of them. <laughs> and Louisville. What two teams should Virginia Tech play every year? I personally have have a different view on this than <laughs> okay. most Virginia Tech. But fans. most people would most say, people are going to say Virginia and Miami. Well, what if we Virginia say and Miami, North Carolina and Pitt? Well, <laughs> I think it should be Virginia could, and North Carolina. You could convince me that it from should, a Virginia you could Tech convince me that it should be Miami and North Carolina. No, I think it should be North Carolina from a Virginia Tech perspective. But when I gave my answer from North North Carolina perspective, it did not include Virginia Tech, yeah, which exactly. show, which shows how hard it is to get this thing. Yeah. Well, you knew the Miami the and Virginia. Miami and Virginia make sense for Virginia. I Tech. know it's I the know. oldest rivalry in like UNC and. UNC and UVA, UVA is like the oldest rivalry. Yeah, it's so like Virginia South's Tech, UNC rivalry. is new. Yeah. And yeah, yeah it's no history. So, so Virginia Tech, you could argue they should get UVA and Miami. They only got one of them. They got UVA and they got Pitt and they got Wake Forest. And then Wake Forest is really the oddball. They kind of got booted out of the North Carolina situation. Wake Forest plays Duke. Okay. And they play Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech. Yeah. So, but the point of this exercise was for you to name two teams that every school should play and to realize that with the exception of maybe Wake, everybody else got their, their marquee, their two marquee matchups. And right. then who cares who the third one is yeah. except Virginia Tech. So it was an oddball decision by the ACC to uh, not continue that matchup. I think, the, I think the ACC catered to Miami. I mean, I remember reading quotes from the Miami athletic director. Yeah, I put what, that what, on the board. Yeah. Dan Radakovich said he was asked about it. And David Teal tweeted this. Mm-hmm. He was asked at the ACC spring meetings down in Amelia Island back in May, asked about if they do go to this model, you know, obvious answers are for Miami to play Florida State and Virginia Tech. Yes. And Radakovich said, I don't know about Virginia Tech. He said, oh, he said, he said, Florida State for sure. I don't know about the Hokies. Yeah. So Miami, the fans might at Miami might might view Virginia Tech as a rivalry. You know what what fans Miami actually has, um, but the administration does not. I, I would agree with that. And and again, they wound up with Florida State, which of course is natural, and Boston College in Louisville. Um, okay, you know. So I, 
Uh, I mean, I get it. You know, maybe we've maybe we're skewed by our Virginia Tech. Perspective I, I, I think and, Louisville versus Miami. Like, remember the Catholics versus the convicts? <laughs> well, now it's the, the convicts cheaters, versus the convicts. The cheaters versus the cheaters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I'm, I'm holding I back. I will say, though, like, like, I think, like, Virginia Tech's not in a terrible spot. Like, I, I don't think Pitt and Virginia are bad. Like, obviously not. Well, it know, has to be Virginia. Yeah, you obviously are going to play Virginia. But, I mean, Pitt has been Pitt has been a good challenger in the past couple of years, and we'll see whether Virginia Tech will get a chance to Went at Heinz Field anytime soon, but 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 I think overall, like, imagine how more pissed you'd be, Will, if Virginia Tech ended up with Boston College. Oh yeah, so the first there. time these matchups came out, I thought they were okay because I was afraid of having to play Boston College and Syracuse every year. I totally <laughs> that, missed that, that Miami was not there. That's actually the first thing I looked at. I was like, "Is Virginia Tech going to be playing Boston?" I was more College? worried. Yeah, uh, but they didn't, so I was like, "Yes, yeah. great schedule." And yeah. I actually tweeted out, "Not bad." And then I looked at him like, "Wait a minute, Miami's missing. This is not good." So yeah. Nick, by the way, I forgot to tell you to put the graphic up. I, oh, you the man, excellent. Thank you. Um, so. <laughs> uh, you know, so that that was not met with unanimous. So anyway, let's go over. Uh, uh, I was going to say that was not met with unanimous approval by Virginia Tech fans. They're going to miss Miami. Yeah. Um, so let's go over Virginia Tech's, uh, and we do not have a graphic for this for the for the YouTube audience. Let's go over Tech's home and away ACC schedules for the next four years because they were all released. So 2023 home is NC State, Pitt. Syracuse and Wake. Eh, you know, I like NC State. Pitt's getting to be more and more of a rival. Syracuse and Wake. Eh, okay. Away is Boston College, Florida State, Louisville. That's exciting. So in 2023, we'll go into Louisville for the first time. And that's more about visiting Louisville than Well, it is. for the first time in a non-COVID year. Yeah. We went yeah, there in correct. 2020. Yeah. And then uh, UVA. So Boston College, Florida State, Louisville, and UVA. That's actually a pretty good road schedule. Mm -hmm. Um, 2024, I think this is arguably the best home ACC schedule. And again, these are just the ACC games. 2024 is Clemson, Georgia Tech, Louisville, and UVA. Mm -hmm. Solid. I I would say 2026 might be better. Yes, we'll get to that in a second. I agree. Um, The away games in 2024 are Duke, UNC, Pitt, and Wake. (laughs) So North Carolina Hokies rejoice. You've got three oh, games. Oh, like my dad lives in Danville. It's easier for him to watch us play yeah. North Carolina and Duke on the road than it is. Well, that's gonna be. It's a just like game. that's like this year too. Virginia Tech this season, twenty twenty two, plays at Duke, at North Carolina, and at NC and State. And at NC State, yeah. And you know what? I don't mind that. I mean, well, well Malcolm's moving to Raleigh. That's what I'm. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm like, coming. To, I'm going to like see I, him. You know. There's such a contingent of, and I kind of put this in, in my story when I when I broke it. I said, you know, I, I think Virginia Tech fans might be a little upset as a whole. No Miami, but uh, two T minus from here, two hour trip down to Winston Salem is not bad. And if you live in North Carolina, Winston Salem is fairly easy for the most part to get to. Yeah, and you still have UVA. Pitt is like okay, it's kind of a trek up up through West Virginia, but as a whole. You also get the other half of the conference two times, at least two times right. every four years. Like you get Florida State, Clemson. You know, there's not much to be complaining about besides not having Miami. So let me uh, point out that of the three teams that Tech plays every year, Pitt and Wake travel in tandem. 
and the third one is uh, is UVA. So when UVA is at home, Pitt and Wake are on the road and mm-hmm. vice versa. So anytime, yep. any year where you've got UVA at home, there's a little bit more flexibility as to the other three matchups being good. And that's why 2024 and 2026 are, are pretty good. Yeah. So 2025, you get at home, you got Boston College, Florida State, Pitt, and Wake. Eh. Um, on the road, you got Miami, NC State, Syracuse, and UVA. Again, solid road schedule. So the next year, 2026, and David, you liked this one, the home games are Duke, Miami, UNC, and UVA. You get back to your, your natural North Carolina, Miami, <laughs> Virginia. Yep. Yeah. And you get a road trip to Clemson for the first time since 2012. Yeah. That, right. Yeah. Clemson, so, Georgia Tech, Pitt, and Wake. Florida State coming to Lane Stadium in 2025 for the first time since 2012. Um, wow. NC State visiting for the first time since 2015, and I'm not counting the 2020 COVID yeah. year. Um, so to me, all right, there are pluses and minuses of yeah. the schedule. Obviously, the minuses are fewer games against Miami and UNC. At the same time, it's not like we're going to be playing those teams once a decade, like right. Florida State or yeah. Louisville or like something like that. Um, all right, so from 2014 to 2021, Virginia Tech played Florida State, Louisville, NC State, and Clemson a total of five times in the regular season, which is an average of, like I think it was 0.625 games yeah, per yeah. year against those four teams. From 2023 through 2026, they're going to play those four teams eight times, an average of, of two games per year. So that's pretty good. I, when Virginia Tech got invited to the ACC, you know, at first it was it was Miami and Virginia Tech, an eleven team conference, and you're sitting there thinking, okay, cool, we'll we'll play. We're not going to play them every year, but we'll play Clemson a lot. We'll play Florida State a lot. We'll NC play State. NC State a lot. This is not what I signed up for when Virginia Tech joined the ACC. Yeah. This this whole never play in Florida State or, or NC State and and, and teams yeah. like that. Um, so. By expanding the conference so, to so many teams, it's you know the, the scheduling is always going to be unbalanced in bigger conferences. But the bigger the conference has gotten, the more unbalanced the scheduling has gotten, especially with the old model. It stinks that you're not going to be playing Miami or UNC every year, but on the whole, this is better. Yeah, yeah. this is better. I agree. Absolutely, I agree one hundred percent. You're gonna have. It's not going to be the same old. Uh, schedule every like you know you've got to like imagine this year Virginia Tech fans who are or, or even or I guess next year's an even or next year would have been an even better example Virginia Tech would have had to go to Miami Georgia Tech and Virginia and Boston and Boston College that is like a miserable a road fo- schedule that's yeah. a lot of traveling yeah. for yeah. fans yeah. Yep. this like okay and you know. A couple of those years are are long road trips, like having Boston, Boston and, and Tallahassee in the same year, or Miami and, and Syracuse. But besides that, like you look at a lot at, of these are drivable. Yeah, and and I think it's it goes back to that. You know, you won't play Tech won't play Miami in twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four. Right, but but Virginia Tech will get NC State, Florida State, and Clemson, and, and I think those are the matchups that. 
Virginia Tech's been missing. Those are big state schools. Yes. Virginia Tech is a big state school, and Virginia Tech hasn't gotten to play any of those guys in exactly. forever. Yeah. And now Virginia and, Tech... And you're going to get all three of them in the next two college years. College football yeah. is about big state schools that care about football. That's yeah. right. As far as I'm... I know. And, and, and we'll uh, get, the we'll, Big Ten and the SEC agree. Like, right. So we'll get into this more in the mm-hmm. next segment, obviously, but... There's no way, absolutely no way, for a fan of any ACC team, including Virginia Tech, to be happy about the ACC schedule every year because right. there's not enough big state schools in the yeah. There's too many wakes. Too many Dukes private schools. And Syracuse's yeah. and Boston College's. Yeah. Teams with small fan bases that don't travel, that don't care about football. Um, so it, you're never going to be able to get an ACC schedule right because the – the concept of the conference has been flawed from the very beginning in the 1950s with the type of schools that were invited, and then they doubled down on it on the last over the last 20 years in terms of conference expansion. Let me ask you this one question, Will. Yeah. You were in Tallahassee in, in 2018. How fun was that trip? That was a lot of fun because uh, Florida State thought they were going to be good that year. <laughs> so, and, so, and the tailgating so, was great. So, yeah. so Virginia Tech gets to go there next year. Yeah. Like you get to go back five years oh, later. I already know Richie but, Davis is going to be hitting me up saying, let's but, go. But that's my point. Like, you know, you don't get to go to Clemson, unfortunately, f- f- you know, for a couple years until 2026. But like, I've never been to Clemson. Yeah. I've, I've never, I've, I've never actually, been yeah. to Clemson either. Getting to go to, getting to go to Tallahassee and Louisville next year. I've, I've actually never been to, I've never been to games against NC State, Clemson, Florida State, or Louisville. The big four that I want to when play. When was the last time Tech played at Clemson? 2012. Yeah. They played twice, at Clemson twice, since joining the ACC. Yeah. 2007. And, I, and, I, and one I, of them, oh, yeah, I the, 2000, I, I the 2007 game, game was the, uh, that was the Eddie Royal punt return. For that was the special game. teams game, yeah. special yeah. teams and defense. Yeah. But, um, yeah, right. I, I think as, as a whole, getting to travel down and, like, and play in these road environments, like, okay, like in 2024, Duke, North Carolina, Pitt, and Wake, that's kind of what you're used to. But, like, getting – Tech will get a taste of this on a Thursday night, but, like, getting to go down to Raleigh and play yeah. at NC State, NC State's going to be pretty good at football this year. Yeah. But that, that's, that school is rowdy, and yeah. it, it matches Virginia Tech. They used to have a center street before yeah. Raleigh shut it down. Getting, <laughs> getting to go down and, and tailgate with those fans yeah. and, and be in that a environment. A like-minded fan base. Yeah, it, right? it, that's, I think, what the ACC's been missing for so long. Nice. So now I'm fired up. Yeah. All right, so so we got to put us, we, we've worn this out, and we're going to wear the next topic out, oh. uh, conference realignment. So we need to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will – Talk about the shifting landscape of college athletics. All right, everybody, welcome back in. So the uh, we're going to talk about conference realignment here soon, but even bigger news, Virginia Tech has announced or released their new helmet design for the 2022 football season. Uh, they just put a picture on Twitter, and David, what would you see? 
I don't know. I had no idea. I completely no. I I did. I did see it. But David was on vacation this weekend for the fourth. So yeah. Honestly, I didn't even see it till yesterday. (laughs) You meant well. You you mentioned it when we were coming out of the break, and I was like, like, "What?" I was like, "No, I remember seeing it." But it's not like with all this conference realignment stuff going on. I was more focused on that. And I I see a helmet. I'm not. I'm not Clark. I'm not Clark Rowland. I'm not a helmet connoisseur. Every week, anyway. So I don't know what I'm looking at. Right? Like I. I'm not one to notice the difference in the helmets. All right. It resonated with me and here's why. Um, they, they released a picture of a maroon helmet with no stripes on the top. I'm going to go look. And so this goes way back to, uh, I remember being at Greg Roberts's bar way back in 1998. It's like the summer of 1998. And Greg held up a new helmet design, which was a maroon helmet with no stripes. And Tech had had stripes all through the 80s and 90s. Since I first started watching, they always had a stripe. Oh, those are pretty nice. Until yeah. until 98. So uh, so that's kind of cool. I think it'll look good. And uh, yeah. we, we have no info on what the white helmet's going to look like. I don't know if it's going to go stripeless or not. Actually, I do know, but I'm not telling. So uh, <laughs> let's move on to conference realignment. And, uh, you know, so, so I, w- I want to start and then I'll tee you guys up. Okay. Um, so uh, UCLA and USC... I mean, it was like thief in the night type stuff. All, all yeah. these conference moves now are ninja style. <laughs> so USC and UCLA go into the Big Ten. And Shelton Moss texted me and he said, Will, you're a lot older than I am. And I said, thank you, Shelton. And he said, <laughs> is this the most, like, I don't, I don't think he used the word seismic, but he said, is this the most seismic conference move you've seen? And that's a really good question. And I would have to say yes, and I'll tell you why. The thing that really kicked off the modern era of conference shifting was Penn State saying they're going to the Big Ten back in 1990. What conference was Penn State in at that None. Point? They were they independent. Were independent. They were independent. Okay, that's yeah, what I thought. Florida State that was, was Tech, Florida State, Miami. South Carolina, Miami. They were all independent. Uh, I think I'm all leaving in, somebody out. All independents. There yeah. used to be really good independents in, yeah. in college football. But the press had kind of been talking and telling you these things were coming, you know, that that this stuff was going to start to happen. And that that kicked it off. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've certainly we've seen moves that were unexpected. But when you look at a map, it's just weird. And it came out of nowhere. And I don't know how it's going to work. And although Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC was a surprise. I think this has really got people shaken up. More. I, yeah. I, I would say last year's more seismic uh, with Texas and Oklahoma going because I think that precipitated this move. That's true. So I don't think I don't know that this move would have happened if Texas and Oklahoma hadn't made that move last summer. Um, I, I think that was you know this is the Big Ten matching that move to a certain extent, um, adding the <coughs> California market. I guess. Yeah. Um, so to me, I, I would say that's more of a seismic shift. That being said, like this one from the standpoint, like it's going to kill the back pack 12s done. Mm-hmm. They're done. They're their TV contract. I mean, without, what t- what without, TV contract? without <laughs> right, without those two, I mean, their contract expires in a couple of years and apparently Fox is not interested in renegotiating, especially without USC and UCLA. Yeah. So they're done. Like they're they're like move over Mac on Wednesday night. Pac 12s taking that Wednesday night spot, right? Yeah. Um, or maybe it won't be that bad. It won't be that bad, but <laughs> but it's still going to be a significant yeah. step back. So and 
if any if any conference is open to being gutted right now, it's them. And you're already seeing, you know, like the Big Twelve saying, you know, or not the Big Twelve saying, but but sources indicating that the Big Twelve, which was gutted last year, yeah. is now contemplating making a move for some of those. Yeah, Pac-12 they're, they're looking teams. at the Pac twelve going, How are you doing? Right, 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 right. So everybody's talking about the P two, and I agree that there's two way ahead mm-hmm. of everybody else, and that's how it's how it is, and that's not gonna change now. But I think, you know, maybe by this time next year the gutting of the big of the Pac twelve will be complete. So <laughs> so so technically speaking, we will have it'll be a power four. You're gonna have the the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big Twelve and the and the ACC. So Nick, if you haven't already, go ahead and put up the uh, the graphic that shows the current membership of of conferences, and we'll leave that sitting here, and I'll address it in a minute. Um, I think this one was more seismic because I, I do agree with Chris that last year's led into this. Texas and Oklahoma bombshell out of nowhere. They're going to the SEC. Well, they're going for money purposes, right. and it makes sense because <clears throat> if you look at the list. It's Texas, Oklahoma, like in the Big 12. Texas, Oklahoma, nobody else really jumps out at you mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. And and it makes sense. Like the, It's not like Texas is that far from the SEC because yeah. College Station's already in the already SEC. In yeah. This one is wild. Yeah. First of all, UCLA, it's kind of like the Texas, Oklahoma stuff. UCLA approached the Big 10 mm-hmm. about expanding. Like, you're a school university of california los angeles the most the western the most western school in the big 10 is nebraska and now ucla and usc are going to be in the big 10 by now nebraska looks like they're in the footprint (laughs) nebraska is going to be in the center of the big 10 and and i know i I tweeted this and and i know chris had, had, had similar thoughts like imagining we obviously don't know exactly what this is going to look like, but if this is how it's going to look like for Olympic sports as well, mm. imagining imagining Maryland baseball trying to go play a West Coast series against UCLA Friday, Saturday, Sunday on in Pacific time, turning around having to come back and play a midweek against like Towson, right, right, yeah, and then to turn around and fly back and play like Nebraska. I mean, it just. Between the travel and everything, it's just so crazy. And then, of course, it's set in motion everything we're going to go through now. I think it's absolutely idiotic that obviously all these conference moves are made for football purposes. All of them. And yet the conferences have not gotten together and said, you know what, it's a really bad idea for Rutgers volleyball to have to go play UCLA and USC. Right, it does not make any sense for the Olympic sports, which you run at a loss. They run in the red, quite yeah, frankly, big time, big time. It doesn't make any sense for them to go play a bunch of midweight games in a geographic region so far away. Most like, of them, most I, of them take commercial flights anyway. Right, right, and, and so like, and I even mean like, there's no reason for like Virginia Tech and Boston College to play in volleyball. Like there should be regional conferences for the smaller sports. Yeah, I think that'd be interesting. Yeah, that's a that's that's an interesting concept. It's yeah. complex. I can't wrap my brain around it right now. Yeah, but I will say this: with the TV contracts getting so big, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they're not already doing it. See, athletic departments have their own private jets, maybe yeah. more than one. <laughs> I mean, that te- they te- use. Te- for I can't the wait non-rest. for Ohio State to commission their own seven thirty seven. You know, whatever <laughs> yeah. it takes to get it's the non-res just, here and there. It's just kind of. 
kind of crazy when you think about it because like like Chris said, this kind of puts in motion what the Pac-12 is doing. And there was there was something last night from CBS about how the Pac-12 and the ACC are supposedly potentially going to try to to play a ch- like a conference championship game. Just kind of just crazy. No, stuff. they're not. They're going to get together and they're going to form an alliance they and put out a bunch of PR yeah, emails yeah. But, for a week. But so I think this just shows you how far ahead the SEC and Big Ten are of everyone else. The Big 12 and the ACC are kind of just sitting there. Mm-hmm. The Pac-12 will kind of fade a little bit over time. Probably some schools, Oregon, okay. Washington, might might you know go join the Big the Ten. Yeah. But, but it's just kind of nuts to see how how much money matters in this landscape. And you, you, all right, I talked about how there's so too many schools in the ACC – whose fan bases are too small and they don't care about football. Wake Forest oh, is a great example. Okay, well, I was, I did, I did ticket sales. I, I uh, accumulated the ticket sales, the whole athletic department ticket sales for every Power Five school yesterday. Plus, here comes some, here comes some numbers. I, I, don't, and we don't I, don't, have a I don't remember the exact numbers for all schools. I didn't, I didn't know I would get into this today, so I didn't turn <laughs> them off. But I do remember that in the Pac-12, uh, schools like Cal, Oregon State, and Washington State. We're all below ten million in ticket sales. This is yeah. football and basketball combined. Like, yeah. like their ticket sales were lower than Rutgers. Like those West Coast people. I mean, obviously Oregon fans are different, but like, but like you, th- like they just don't care. Most about people, sports. Most out people there who go much. to Cal, at least, at least probably, they don't go to games. Yeah. They don't buy tickets. Most people yeah. who are going to Cal probably care more about academics. Oh no, no question, no question. Um, so, I. I you're not going to get a big TV contract when a large number of your member institutions show that they don't, that the fan base actually doesn't care. Yeah. And so I think the PAC 12 is done. Like nobody's going to want to join them. No. Why would you? My, my guess is they merge. Everybody. My guess is they end up like merging with the big 12. Some, the, the some of the schools West will. Or, right. Right. Yeah. We'll have, we'll have to see. So, but, but I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, some will, some will join the big 12. I expect. Yeah, Colorado. And, right, right. And then what the leftovers will will merge with the Mountain West. Yeah, I would something like, I mean, yeah. So, David, let me ask you about, uh, we wanted you to talk a little bit. Now, we are not attorneys. Do not take our legal advice. Yeah. But I do want you to talk about, I know you've read an article recently about the grant of rights that the ACC signed that runs through 2036. <laughs> 14 years from now. It might might be our ultimate savior, your boy Swafford. (laughs) Explain what that is and what it means, because it's important to the discussion of whether or not the ACC will be poached. So go. So the grant of rights essentially says if a school were to leave the conference, all of their TV revenue would go back to the conference. So the TV revenue from their new conference conference. would go back to the ACC. if, If USC and UCLA are leaving but the Pac-12's grant of rights expires after the 23-24 year. You see the perfect timing. Not a big deal. They're leaving when their grant of rights expires. Right, right. Pac-12's trying to renegotiate TV deals and everything right now. But in terms of the ACC, if Miami or Florida State or Clemson were to leave the ACC and go to the SEC, whatever money they would make, they would have to... From the SEC. From the SEC, they would have to pay back to the ACC. For 13 or 14 years. Which is why this is such a big deal. Yeah, um... And so you read an article by Andy Staples, I think, where he yeah. talked about, he spoke with an attorney about whether or not schools can 
get out of a grant of rights. What, what options they would have. Yeah, so yeah. Andy Staples from The Athletic, and I encourage everybody to go read this if you're a subscriber. He sat down with a guy named Mark Wilhelm. He's a v- former Villanova Law student. Um, back in 2014, he published uh, a, a, an article in the Harvard Law uh, Review or something like that mm-hmm. on the grant of rights. And he, he owns a copy or still has a copy of North Carolina's ACC grant of rights, which he FOIA'd. And That's probably like 50 pages long, right? Yeah, it's about two or three pages. And, yeah. and that was one of the big things that caught my eye was it's like a, a, you would think it's a very easy agreement to get out of, but it's essentially a two or three page agreement. And he said there are four ways ACC schools could go about potentially trying to get out of the ACC's grant of rights. You could leave the conference. That means you're leaving all of that money you make in the new conference behind. You're giving it back to the old conference, which we already mentioned. You could try to sue to get your rights back, essentially, but that's a lot of money, and who knows if you even win the suit. You could try to negotiate a deal with the conference, essentially like a buyout, saying, you know, we'll pay you X amount a year, you know, for however long. Or you could hope the league dissolves and the grant of rights along with it. And those are essentially your four options of trying to get yeah, out of the grant of rights. None of them are great. <laughs> none, of, none of them are great when when you are in a conference at like the ACC where it's kind of split down the middle, half state schools, half private institutions. And if you think, I've done a lot of thinking about this, if the ACC were to split up, the state schools, the ones that people truly care about, have a lot of fans, marketable the North Carolina, the North Carolina State, the Clemson, the Florida State. Miami's probably the only private institution that's Absolutely. really going to get pulled. Maybe Duke for basketball. Yeah. Maybe Duke for basketball. Besides that, pretty much everybody else, the private institutions, they're not really getting taken. And and, and so that leaves kind of a group. Like there's not, not really, I, in my mind, unless something major, major happens, going to be a time where the ACC completely dissolves because the core of Boston College, Syracuse, maybe even Pitt, Wake Forest, those schools are going to hold the conference together because they're not necessarily attractive to other school or other conferences. So Nick is, is the graphic still up with the conference membership on it? Right. So if you look at that graphic, you'll notice that I've highlighted some schools that are not in the SEC and the Big Ten currently or in their plans. And so when people talk, independent of the of the GOR, which David is right, is pretty onerous. Um, and the way I phrased that in a message board post was, I don't think you're going to wake up tomorrow and find out Florida State and Clemson are leaving. No. I just don't think that's going to happen. No. So, but, but schools that columnists talk about being attractive to the Big Ten and the SEC, um, I've highlighted... And I know that if you're just listening, you can't see this, so I'll go over them. I've highlighted seven schools. They're Clemson, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina. Notre Dame, of course, is a layup. They'd be Big Ten bound. And columnists have also mentioned Oregon and Washington from the Pac-12. An eighth school that columnists have thrown out there is UVA, which I don't really understand. I get that they win a lot of national championships, in, in some of the well, non-revenue if, sports. If you're talking Big Ten, yeah, they want I, AAU membership. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I think what if somebody were to take a, a school from, like, 
if somebody could take a school from Virginia, it depends on like if you're the Big Ten looking at academics. So but but I do the Big think Big Ten would take UVA. Yeah, but I do think it'd be interesting for them for like one of those schools if you say okay, you can try to merge into the state of Virginia, expand your reach. You know, with all the academics, Virginia is an interesting choice. But but they have to they have to bring value athletically. And I think I, Virginia Tech probably brings more athletic well, value here, in here, terms here, of here. money and revenue and ticket sales. Or co- these conferences have reached a big enough point where what's the big t- Big Ten schools are going to be making eighty million per school in a TV contract? Uh, some people are saying hundred million. Some, okay. some people are saying so, with UCLA and USC close to a hundred okay. million so any, per school. So any school that joins from now on, is going to have to be worth themselves eighty to one hundred million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you yeah. dilute the value and everybody makes slightly less. Yeah, right. I, so, I, so I agree. At, at this point, these conferences are going to be very selective on who they add now because yeah. they're already making so much money. How many available schools are are there out there that, are, that would actually increase or keep the Big Ten's value the same? And I think those are. Notre probably, Dame, probably the schools that you highlighted. Notre yes. Dame is. So, so Notre Dame Notre is. I don't think we would do it. No. Right, and and so again, going back to that list, Notre Dame clearly, uh, they're not going to the SEC. The Big Ten would take them. The Big Ten might have to balance out with someone else. And I know you guys aren't going to like this because because Clemson's really good in football, and Florida State used to be really good in football. <laughs> But North Carolina arguably has the second largest national brand on that list. Right. Behind for all sports, yeah, not just football, but right. for all sports, behind Notre Dame, and and they've got a and that's a whole new state that neither one of those conferences has a school no. in, yeah, right. Um, I think Clemson is is interesting because I don't know exactly how much SEC schools make, but you know when I was doing my ticket sales thing yesterday, there are only. Clemson is ahead of only four schools in the SEC in ticket sales. So that's the the Mississippi schools, Vanderbilt, and Missouri. And again, like, that includes football and basketball. All, all sports, right. All yeah. sports. South Carolina, their in-state rival, sells more tickets than Clemson fans. Yeah. The yeah. SEC fans are just more hardcore yeah. than, than ACC fans. Even the Clemson Even fans. the hardcore ACC Even the fans. hardcore ACC fans, yeah. right? Um and Clemson, like I don't I don't know how much do you know off the top of your head how much Money per team, the SEC about. I think I think previously sixty some. Yeah, I think currently it's it's really close to seventy. Now, now Clemson already being in the SEC market, already in that marketplace. Their marketplace is their market is not expanded by adding Clemson. Yeah, might not provide much. Does Clemson add sixty to seven seventy million per year? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Just see, that's the thing. No, if you get if you get a football matchup, where where it's Clemson Alabama. Well, sure, but but at this point. You add more teams, like okay, so that that's an extra two SEC teams. So now you've got Clemson versus Auburn this week, but there's only so many time slots, so you end up just kicking another game off off the networks completely. So you right. are you really ended up making a lot more money here, yeah? Like because this game, which would normally be on ESPN two, it's kicked back to the SEC network now. And uh, what's that? In, what that is analogous to is we could run ten articles a day on Tech sideline. But nobody's going to read all ten of them, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's better to space them out, right? Yeah, right. Uh, so I, I don't know. They're, they're, you, these schools would have to do the math. I don't think there's. I think Florida State and Miami are other great examples because mm-hmm. they're already 
The big state oh, schools, Florida. Right. They already have Florida. Right. How, how much would bringing in Florida State and Miami really expand the SEC? Well, Notre, Notre Dame and North Carolina are huge, and I think Oregon in the Pac-12, Oregon would be huge, especially with, with Nike and it, everything that comes with it. But, and, and at this point, at this point, if if the SEC and the Big Ten were concerned about quality, then USC has been a dumpster fire recently. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're not getting added because their football program is 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 good. No, they're getting right? added because they live in Los the, Angeles. The, 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 uh, exactly, and same for UCLA. Uh, the SEC didn't add Texas because Texas is still good at football. Texas isn't any good at football, but they're still getting added because they're in the state of Texas. Because they're freaking Texas. Right, right. So this isn't about quality it's anymore. About money. It, right. It's it's about what a school can bring from a financial perspective to make everybody's slice of the pie bigger. That's what it's about. Yeah. So, so let me, um, uh, let me throw something that unfortunately I just started thinking about it this morning. So I didn't have a chance to run some numbers. Something that I haven't seen anybody talk about is I remember when the big 10 network and the sec network were first launched, there was the discussion of how much money is generated by subscribers in market and out of market. And by in-market, that means if you live in the state of South Carolina and you get the SEC network on Dish Network, you're in-market. So the SEC is getting, let's say, these numbers aren't correct, the SEC is getting $2 since you're in-market. If you're like me and you live in the state of Virginia, which is, there are no SEC schools in the state of Virginia. I'm a Dish Network subscriber. I get the SEC network. I think the SEC, the SEC only gets like 50 cents because right. I'm out of market. If the SEC adds a Virginia school and a North Carolina school, you'd have to run the numbers on it. How many millions of people, and we're talking traditional cable and satellite, how many millions of people will go from 50 cents per household to a dollar or two per household? Or just people that weren't subscribers already. I mean, how many, how many, how many Virginia Tech fans watch the, ACC, or the SEC now, Eric? Right. Like so, they, there's no I've got it, but Yeah, no, I've, I've got it. it too, but I don't know there's not necessarily a reason to watch it unless it's unless Virginia Tech is playing an SEC team. So, so so it's 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 not about that type of television anymore. I get that, but that's still a factor. Yeah. But you're still technically paying for it. Yeah. Right? You are. Yeah. If there are I'm just going to throw a number out there. There's 8 million people in the state of of Virginia. Let's say there's 2 million households and you go from uh, 50 cents to two bucks. That's two times a buck and a half. That's four that, times. That, that's, that's $3 million a month extra being generated by a school like Virginia tech, 36 million a year. Interesting to think about if those numbers have any basis in reality. 36 million a year, but not the 50 to 60 million per year that sec teams yeah. are currently making. Only the, only the sec people know, know what, what the actual numbers, numbers would right. be. So to me, in a perfect world, UVA and UNC go to the Big Ten and Virginia Tech and NC State go to the SEC. That would make sense based on the, the culture of both conferences and both of those schools. Yeah. But again, we're not – I think we're past that point. Yes. We're, 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 we're well past that point. So I just – you know, again, when you, when you look at the all of the conference memberships and the teams still left on the table, I'm not sure the SEC and the Big Ten are going to continue to expand. I think uh, – I, I think uh, the big the Big Ten will add Notre Dame. I At think, some point, I, I think Notre Dame Notre Dame's TV contract expires in twenty twenty five. Correct. And I th I think they've they've played the whole thing through the years really smart, but with them you know having so many natural rivals in the Big Ten, uh, 
Yeah. Their football program's actually growing right now. And by the way, they've added USC, which is a traditional it Notre was a, Dame rival. It was a traditional Notre Dame rival. Yeah. Um, USC, Michigan, I, I, Michigan State. I, I think it's finally going to happen. Yeah. W- 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 with and Notre the money Dame. disparity is just too big I for, mean, for Notre Dame to continue to ignore. You're talking about an extra, from what they make from the NBC contract and what they make from the ACC contract, you're talking about a difference of $50 million a year. I think it's only $35 million a year combined to what you just said, right. and the Big Ten's going to be pushing $100 million. Right. Right. So you're still on about fifty to eighty million dollar difference. Yeah. So like it's never really been about the money for Notre Dame. It's been more about valuing valuing their independence. How much is your what is the value of your independence? Yeah. I would argue that it's maybe worth about and how twenty much, to twenty five million, but it's not worth eighty million. How, how much right? money do you want to make? <laughs> I mean, and I, yeah, I think I think it all kind of comes comes back to that. Like if you're the Big Ten and you're sitting here saying Oregon fans are die hard. You know, we could get get Oregon in in the Oregon could pair we could pair them up with Notre Dame. I think Oregon would be right because you want to keep it at an even number. Yeah, yeah. So, so that would that would be right. what eighteen. But but yeah. yeah, I'm not really sure. Like I think you posted the poll. I don't think it's this Twitter poll. Oh, well, we're going to. Uh, uh, but but uh, go ahead. You you mentioned um, uh, how many teams. It, in terms of expanding, how right. how many teams would each conference have to expand to the SEC and the Big Ten for people to feel comfortable with Virginia Tech up. getting in? I said like twenty two each. Yeah, it's, it's currently thirty two. You'd have to go all the way for you. I think forty four, and I just forty to forty four range. I don't either because you reach a point where any school you add dilutes the value. Yeah, because they're not worth as much money. Yeah, I, so I, just, I, I think forty max. Is, is where that is where those two and schools I think combined even, are going to end up. That's with. a stretch. Yeah, but uh, you know, I'm sure the people that make these decisions are thinking about other factors yeah, as well. Probably, probably 36. That's probably what you're going to get. I can imagine the SEC taking on two more teams, the the Big Ten taking on Notre Dame and somebody else, and then then it really gets to be a stretch. And then it's that. then you've got those two power conferences, and it. You know, you mentioned you meant, one college of you guys mentioned football North, college football South. They yeah, shouldn't even yeah. keep the same names. <laughs> one of you guys <laughs> mentioned earlier that it might just be four conferences. I mean, you can imagine some of the rest of the Pac-12 just merges in with the Mountain West and the Big 12, and then the S- ACC because the Grand of Rights is still keeping it intact. It's the just ACC, stays like it is. But yeah. but mm-hmm. just like what's right. what's recruiting? What's all that stuff going to look like? In in that landscape, like when when I, USC can recruit New York, because yeah, the thing is, you can only you can only sign twenty five guys a year. So yeah. I don't think USC's recruiting would look all that different because there's so many players in yeah. California. Yeah. I don't think recruiting would change all that much because, like, like again, teams can only sign twenty five players. Yeah. So uh, long term. You're, you're looking at the P2 and you're looking at the Big 12 and the ACC and the Pac-12 and other schools trying to figure something out. And and Virginia Tech, sorry, likely winding up in that second tier. Mm-hmm. So I ran. So <laughs> this this poll I'm about to tell you about is self-serving because I'm like, OK, what's the future of Tech sideline if they're not part of the P2? Yeah. And so I ran a uh, poll on Twitter uh, over the weekend and I said, uh, Long term, if Virginia Tech is outside the SEC Big Ten and instead is affiliated with schools like 
NC State, Georgia Tech, Louisville, UVA, Cincinnati, WVU, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Arizona State, etc. What will it do to your overall VT fandom, not just football? And Nick, if you can put that uh, graphic up, he's got it up. So the answers are 53% said that their fandom for Virginia Tech would stay the same. 23% said their fandom would decrease. Almost one out of every four people said, I'll be less of a fan. Um, 21% said, I don't know. You know, and I think that's a fair answer. That's almost, that's like one out of every five people saying, you know, I have no idea. I'd have to see what that looked like. Depends on who those other teams mm-hmm. are. Yes. And and what the scheduling arrangements right. are. Are they in a separate division with a championship? Is it all just that for stuff. football? Um, and 3% said would increase their fandom of Virginia Tech sports. And that, I know what that 3% is thinking. Great. We might actually be able to compete for some sort of championship. Right. So, right. uh Again, that was self-serving. I need to think about the long-term future of my business if tech winds up. No doubt, because I was wondering, you know, the same stuff, of course. So, talk about the advantages of something like that, Chris. <clears throat> yeah, uh, there, there are there are pluses and minuses to 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 being included at the table and not and being in some high, uh, hypothetic second division, right? Now, the advantages of a second division is a lot of our peers would also be in that group. <sighs> Ultimately, whether it's a top division or a second division, I want to I want to compete against peer institutions that care about football and have a reasonable chance of success. Um, I thought that's what I was getting with the ACC, but is the ACC continue? You know, it's just a bunch of private schools that don't care about football. They care about uh, basketball, right? Right. <laughs> now, if you throw everything out the window, throw the money out the window. And if you told me Virginia Tech was in a league with West Virginia, UVA, NC State, Cincinnati, Louisville, Georgia Tech, you know, your, your regional teams with bigger fan bases, um, the conference wasn't so big. Let's say it was like a nine-team conference. I know, that's another and, thing. And, and you played the same conference teams yeah. every year, you know, and they rotated home and away, and you, you wouldn't have to go 10 years without playing NC State. Uh your natural rivalries were there. Um, like, I think as a fan, I would enjoy that more because I'm done pretending that Virginia Tech is in the same division with Ohio State and Clemson and Alabama. And Alabama. And because technically on paper, yes, they're all F- FBS football teams, technically speaking. The reality of it is those teams compete at such a higher level. I don't think it's fair to Virginia Tech to have to compete against them. I don't think it's fair to them to have to technically compete against Virginia Tech either. Right? Um, I, my, my biggest worry in, in an issue like that would be, you know, what does a TV contract look like and how does it affect Virginia Tech Olympic sports, quite frankly? Right. Yeah. Because I, I just think, I think even winning the ACC, I want a chance to win the conference that I'm in. And, you know, Pitt won it this past year, but it seems to me like once every 10 years, somebody besides Clemson is going to win the ACC. And it's going to depend on Clemson having a down year, not everybody else doing something right. Both things have to happen. So, like, I don't even think Virginia Tech stands a reasonable chance of winning the ACC anymore. And what's the point of even competing if you can't compete for championships is, is my take on the whole thing. All right. David, your thoughts? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think my biggest, one of my biggest questions would be, how does it impact Olympic sports? Yeah. Like, 
We just saw Virginia Tech and basketball. won the ACC in basketball. Like, right. like everybody, everybody cares so much and so much about college athletics is football because that's what drives the money. But like, I think my, my favorite sport to enjoy, I think, is college basketball. Mm-hmm. It's so raw, especially compared to like the NBA. And there's parody and, and so much parody. Well, what happens, like? You know, are are Duke and North Carolina and Kansas like all gonna form one like super basketball conference? Right. You know, you know, like how how are 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 teams going to be like? Is Virginia Tech going to be in a different conference for one Olympic sport versus another Olympic sport? Like how that whole thing turns out, I have absolutely no idea. But I do think if you know football, like football aside. If it makes the other sports, I, give it, I think there's a chance it could raise the competition level in pretty much everything outside of football. Yeah. And because you're saying, okay, Virginia Tech can't compete on the same stage as Georgia, Oklahoma, Alabama in football, but Virginia Tech can compete on the same stage as the best in every other sport. Yeah. A lot of people might lose interest because of, you know, football competition not being as good. Virginia Tech might have better chances to win, like Chris just said. But I think, like, in my case, like, I would still be very interested. If Virginia Tech has a chance to to compete against some really, really good teams in, in college basketball. Am I trading Wake Forest for West Virginia? Yeah. Damn right. Like, 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 imag- like, imagine. Vir- I'm trading Duke for East Carolina fans for yep. football? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of potential positives. Imagine the road trips. Imagine, for example, like, there's a basketball conference. Virginia Tech gets to go play at, at Kansas. Like that's a middle of nowhere, but Kansas is a basketball program, program, you know, die hard. Well, I think we've seen this year that when when the other sports other than football are competitive, it can be a lot of fun. And don't don't assume, and this is a completely wrong assumption, that all of a sudden Virginia Tech would become less talented. Oh, yeah. Because that's not true. Because, like, there's a bunch of teams in the Big Ten that make – a lot more money than Virginia Tech right now, like your Indianas and your Purdue's and your Northwesterns. And your they've got Illinois lot, and right, Rutgers. Right, and they've got a lot more money than Virginia Tech, and they're not more talented than and Virginia, Virginia Tech's Tech. Virginia still better. Right, yeah, right, yeah. right, exactly. Uh, so, I, and you can only take 25 guys per year. And, and right now, Virginia Tech, let's say a second division did exist, and it's West Virginia and and, and Oklahoma UVA State. and Oklahoma State and, and NC State and Georgia Tech. I mean... Those are the schools Virginia Tech's already recruiting against. Like, we're not recruiting against Clemson anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we're not recruiting against Miami anymore or, or, or teams Arguably like that. Arguably not even recruiting right, against right. Penn State. Our, our, our recruiting right now is exactly what it would be yeah. if there was a, a split, yeah. an official split. Yeah. But like I said, that split already exists. Yeah. Just it isn't a name, and it happens to be one team in the ACC that operates at top division level and everybody else doesn't. Yeah. I think we all sat together for for the uh, the softball regional. Yeah. You remember how fun that was against Kentucky. Yeah. Imagine that's an every weekend thing. Yeah. Virginia Virginia Tech playing those types of games, or or for baseball, Virginia Tech playing Oklahoma and base like a team like that that caliber of a series every single weekend. Right. Like I think again, I think it could raise the competition of a lot of other sports. And in terms of football, I don't think recruiting is that really affected. No, because we're already recruiting against those. 
quote unquote second division teams. That's who we already recruit against. Yeah. The line already exists. People just haven't seen it yet. <laughs> it just hasn't right. been put. So it, it ultimately re- it requires leadership from somewhere. Oh, well, and that's the problem. Like this is like uh, Sopranos, man. You've got one mob boss trying to get an advantage over the other mob boss. Instead of all the mob bosses meeting together to sort it out, they just send out hitmen. Mm-hmm. Right. So th- this is a, uh, like, why is there not some sort of big meeting between all the conferences, the commissioners, the ADs, the school presidents, the networks, and just sit around a table for a couple of weeks and hash it out hash it and out, give man. us our new new version college of college alignment. sports? Because some people right. get their feelings hurt. Nah. They're, they're going to get hurt anyway. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Well, it, I think it's just funny because especially like with this whole realignment, ESPN and Fox are over there. They're like puppets, like po- pulling they're like the strings. Pulling they're the they're strings. with each other. Sure. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And that, that's the thing. And, like, and it's clearly you've seen where they aligned. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, the Big Ten keeps expanding. So there's only so many time slots, right? So you want to get out of your Pac-12 deal so you can have more time slots for, for your Big Ten teams that you're cur- seriously backing. Uh, I wonder if ESPN would do the same thing with, like, I wonder if they regret tying themselves to the ACC through 2036. <laughs> you got to wonder, don't you? Like, what if the GR gets torn up because ESPN comes and says, hey, we don't want this to be a thing anymore? Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, it's not really. Yeah, I'm just, it's not something I'm worried about a lot because yeah. I'm not a worrisome type by nature. And, and we can't and, control it. we can't this. control it. Yeah. Um, but I do think if, if, like, let's say Clemson did leave, and, and the ACC wasn't the ACC anymore. That actually be uh, like I would be in favor of just gutting the conference and saying, all right, if we're not in the top division, if there actually was an official you know line drawn in the sand and we weren't in the top division anymore, I'd be like, okay, there's no point of being affiliated with Boston College. I was about to say Forest you can, you can keep anymore. Boston we, College. We now. can use that, and we're like, okay, okay, th- this this restructuring makes it invalid, so we're out. Hey, uh, hey, West Virginia. Hey, NC State. Hey, Georgia Tech. Hey, hey, East Carolina. Any other school in the region with fans who actually care about yeah. football form their own football league. I, I, I hear you. I just, I just remember those. That was the idea with the Metro. They were going to form a super conference, and instead they screwed the pooch and kicked Virginia Tech out. The Big East, remember? The eight Big East football schools were going to break away from the basketball schools until the day they weren't and Virginia right. Tech got left out of that. So right. it's it's just very difficult for university presidents who make these decisions to properly manage that process. Yeah, you know, the whole, the whole thing is, though, like, I don't think there's that many teams left who would trigger, uh, like, obviously, uh, USC and UCLA with where they're located was a trigger. Texas and Oklahoma, but because they're Texas and Oklahoma, they were a trigger. Notre Dame is the only one I see left that is definitely a trigger for another round. Yeah. Right? I'd agree with and, that. and like I said, even Clemson. Does Clemson add? I, but I, I don't even know if it's worth it outside of Notre Dame examining any other ACC schools as a trigger because right. every no, other you, ACC school will have plenty of, of not like – you know, foresight, like you will see it coming. If an ACC school not named Notre Dame is going to leave, you'll know. Like, like just because of the whole grant of rights deal and yeah. because, because 
if a school like North Carolina is going to be that risky and leave, it's going to be fairly obvious, and, and I don't think North Carolina would be the only one. Well, the point to be made here, as the GOR gets older and older and older, the cost for leaving gets less and less. Yeah. So literally five to seven years from now, you could start, you yeah. know, things could start shifting. So I think we've worn that out, fellas. Um, David, have, has anybody been looking at the YouTube chat or any questions there we want to answer? Nick, Nick has. I mean, I know Nick's been looking at it, yeah, but he doesn't will, have a microphone. Uh, <laughs> I will check. I will say, uh, heck of a time to be an athletic director. Like, imagine what, what, what Babcock's phone yeah, but looks yeah. like right now. I was going to say, but he's not the one making the decision. Tim Sands is. Yeah, it's people mistake and say it's athletic directors. No, they don't have Jim Weaver had nothing to do with Virginia Tech getting the ACC. That's all political stuff behind the scenes. That, Let me not, not to say that athletic directors aren't involved, but right. th this mm. is an entire university. Oh, Chris, thing. you'll love this. Mm -hmm. uh, Sean Barker, thoughts on a promotion relegation system in college football? If the FBS split into two groups. Keep it to a minute, it's, Chris. It's, Go. It's, it's very, very difficult because in soccer, you're dealing with one team and you, the finances of one team. That's true. You're not talking about the finances of an entire athletic department. Are you going to tell your, your women's uh, lacrosse coach that your salary is getting cut 50% next year because the football team got relegated and lost half their television revenue. And your entire conference has a TV deal, not just you. Not just you. So right. you might be moving from, you know, it's it's complicated. Yeah, yeah. So it, it would it would need to be it would be need to be a lot more streamlined than college sports currently are. And even then I don't think it would work because football affects the salaries of so many other sports. Yeah. Uh Michael Fogelgren asks, how do we not get discouraged in terms of helping fund NIL stuff when we keep hearing about a power two conference structure with VT on the outside? <laughs> no, I, oh, no, the, 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 I, can, I think I, that's an interesting. I, I get I get in here and, and if you want to join the SEC, let me let me let me make it very, very clear what you're getting yourself into. You better be like, ready. You be ready. You better be ready to buy Virginia Tech football players to compete at that level. Legally and illegally. Right. Um, I, I've been doing this job for almost 20 years now. I've known college coaches. I've known people who work at Virginia Tech and other schools in recruiting departments. And they all tell the same stories about the SEC. You're only going to be able to compete in that league one way if you're Virginia Tech. And that is not in our culture. As, as a fan, fan base, as an athletic department, everything. And it's like not that. going to be in our culture during our lifetime. Okay, so let, I'll tell you a story. And I'm not going to say what schools... Uh, the, the, this was. It was a long time ago with neither of the current coaching staffs in place. But there was an out-of-state uh, recruit who was going to visit two schools in one state, both SEC schools, their in-state rivals. Um, you'll probably be able to figure that out. But anyway, he's going to visit both schools in the span of a few days. So he shows up to school A, has a visit, and then tells him he's going to go visit school B. School A coaches said, no, we don't want you to visit there. So they get on the phone with a big donor who's got a vacation house. They put the kid on a plane, illegally, of course. Fly him to this big donor's vacation house where he stays so he doesn't visit School B. <laughs> so does, doesn't in there. School B figures out that he's down there and flies him back, also illegal, to visit them, right? So it's not just about bag men and NIL and things like that. There are so many dirty tricks in recruiting in the in the SEC, and we are going to lose all of those battles unless the Virginia Tech big donor base is ready to get in the mud and wrestle 
You know, is ready so, to- so if you're a big donor, you, first of all, you better be ready to drop the bag and some NIL money yeah. a lot. And number two, when Brett Pry calls you and said, "Hey, uh, yeah, we've got we're uh, got this guy." He's visiting us, and then he's going to go visit South Carolina, and we really want him, but we don't want him to visit South Carolina. Can he come to your house this weekend on the lake? You better be ready to say yes. Yeah. It's just an entirely different culture that I that we need. I'm, tr- I'm not saying this to be mean and saying that you shouldn't want to go to the SEC or anything like that. I'm saying be careful what you want. You're going to have to live differently. Like the things you disapprove of as a human being, now you're going to have to start doing if you're like a big donor. So it, it makes me think of the angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other. You're you, going you ha- to you're gonna have to start listening to the devil if you join the SEC. You have no choice. <laughs> do what he tells you to do. Yeah, yeah. I think it, uh, it's interesting. I scanned the YouTube chat. Not not a ton of great questions, but I do think it's interesting. Like somebody said, uh, what if what if uh, Virginia what if Virginia Tech and the ACC kind of became like a basketball? conference i mean it already kind of is but like you add some of the big east schools i'm I'm perfectly fine with keeping a relationship with wake forest and duke and and schools like that to play basketball i just don't want to play them in football anymore i want to be in a league with and i don't care if this is top division second division whatever division just from a pure fan perspective i want to have fun i want to play like-minded institutions with like-minded fan bases and like every time virginia tech plays at Duke or at Wake, you go tailgate, and then it's just a bunch of Virginia Tech fans, I which say, I love Virginia Tech fans, don't get me wrong, but I want to take that road trip and experience other yeah. fan bases. I was about yeah. to say, Chris... Yeah, they don't have any fans. Chris wants to... Chris wants to be in the same conference as other great tailgating institutions. Yes, correct. Right. Call so, it the tailgate conference. We, there you there, go. There was, a, like there was a great message board post by a West Virginia fan this past yeah. week where he's talked about how West Virginia has lost all their natural rivals. Virginia, they they, they want to play Pitt and Virginia Tech. And Penn State. Right. They don't care about playing Texas Tech and flying all the way across these and countries. And yeah, yeah, with fan bases they have nothing in common yeah. with. They, they, they've, there's, it's not fun anymore. For oh, are you them. ready, Nick? And, are you and, ready to put up the graphic? And, and, it's, and it's supposed to be fun. So, Nick, put up the graphic that shows the Big 12 and ACC maps. And the Big 12 is in gray and the ACC is in blue. And West Virginia is just smack dab in the middle of the ACC. Uh it's just sad. Oh, yeah. I feel bad for him. It, and it's it's ridiculous that a school like Boston College is in the ACC and West Virginia is not. All right, Nick, you can get rid of it they're, now. They're, just they're, it ultimately, the death of this conference, the ACC, will be because we don't have enough West Virginians yeah. <laughs> with, with fan bases who actually care about football. Would, would you say then it is academics? Yeah, that, that, like, the, like I, that, that's the official reason why I mean, West Virginia I, doesn't get it. But then they go off and add Louisville. No, which but, is the same well... Yeah, I think I, I think it's interesting to look at. Like I wrote in a message board post last week, um, just that all all the things like to potentially consider. Like, would Virginia Tech fans be okay if Virginia went one way and Virginia Tech went another way? I bet one of the I bet when I was collecting Virginia Tech T-shirts back when I was younger, I, I would be willing to bet that one of the top five telling selling T-shirts in Virginia Tech history, as far as like your non regular V T shirt, right? right? Your specialty T shirts. Is that old shirt they, they sold in the late nineties, early two thousands, the good, the bad, the ugly shirt. Yeah. The good with the Virginia Tech logo, the bad with the Virginia logo and the ugly with the West Virginia logo. Or maybe it was other way I don't remember. But you can't make that shirt anymore because Virginia Tech and West Virginia aren't rivals. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Uh, so, but and that's what's been lost. I, I, yeah, that's what's been lost, and 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 it's, and it's not as fun as it used to be. Yeah. I've I had more fun when Virginia Tech was in the Big East. When I think about it, and that I have since they've been in the ACC, yeah, it's in- for, 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 from from a football standpoint. Well, let me pose this question to you, and somebody actually asked this, um, and I didn't think I would bring it up, but now I will. How many years of the uh, the new three five five ACC football rotation <laughs> are, which, we actually gonna are we actually going to see? Gonna see? No, th- th- this is what we we didn't talk about. Um, whenever there's conference realignment, and one conference adds an, another conference or adds another a school. Fans freak out and they're like, oh, okay, we need to add schools to respond. No, we don't. No, you don't. No, we don't. Who would we add that would actually add value? That would actually increase the amount of money that each ACC school made? Clearly. Notre Dame, that's a pipe dream. That ain't happening. This kind of wraps your point, too. With UCLA and USC leaving the Pac-12, for the uh, for the Big Ten, the ACC is clearly now the third most valuable conference. Yeah, that's it's, a crazy thing right. to think about. I yeah. mean, you got your top two, then you got the ACC, then you got the Big Twelve and the Pac. Right, right. And when it comes uh, so when, so, so, when it comes so, to so, basketball, right. Yes, so so don't so don't even think about adding Pac twelve schools because they were the least valuable conference to begin with, and then they lost their two highest prized commodities. Those schools aren't worth anything except Oregon, and I don't want to add Oregon. Are we just now finally getting to a scheduling model that I like? <laughs> Don't screw it up by adding Texas Tech at <laughs> Oregon, you know, yeah. and, and yeah. schools like that. So right. just, just. Stand. Would you be okay if the ACC added West Virginia? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, folks. I think we've worn it out. What are we, man? We're like over an hour and a half. One forty-five. Oh, there's yeah. a lot to talk about. Yeah, it was. Sorry we had to cram it all in, but, uh, you know, we do have people that travel a lot and farm and things like that that love the long podcast. Yeah. So uh, appreciate it. And again, this has been the Tech Sideline Podcast, episode 243, sponsored by Commonwealth NIL. Appreciate all the discussion, fellas, and uh, uh, everybody who's watched and listened, thank you, and we'll see you on the next Tech Sideline Podcast.